Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. This episode of Spit and Chicklets is brought to you by Spreza Box. If you wear dress socks or work in the corporate environment, then this is the subscription box for you. Every month, they send you five to six stylish products that are guaranteed to retail for over $100. Your cost? Just 25 bucks. That's a fantastic savings right there. They typically include products such as ties, wallets, sunglasses, watches, and even more. Everything is yours to keep, plus shipping is free, and you get a personal stylist. If you're ready to jump on a great deal, go to SpresaBox.com and get 20% off your first month's box with discount code CHICKLETS. That's SpresaBox.com, S-P-R-E-Z-Z-A-B-O-X.com with the discount code CHICKLETS, SpresaBox.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of Spit and Chicklets, brought to you by Barstool Sports. Uh, we're coming off a, a pretty busy week down Manhattan. Uh, hashtag Chicklets Take Manhattan was a rousing success. Uh, my, Mikey, Mikey Grinelli's here. Ryan Whitney's here. Say hello, fellas. Hello, What's fellas. up, everyone? So, so, yeah, just a quick acknowledgement to everybody for the, for the great support last week. Uh, we had a tremendously successful week. We were able to uh, get content for two shows. Uh, actually, we had Taylor Hall at last week live, as everybody knows. In this week's episode, we have uh, NBCSN's studio host, Leah McHugh, who was a great interview. Lots of big J journalism talk. Uh, probably a little more more of that talk than hockey. So if that's your thing, you're definitely going to really enjoy the conversation. Uh, first, we're going to open up with a little trade deadline talk. Uh, once again... Well, actually, no, yeah, no. Sorry. I got something to say uh, first. How about the people oh, who... Um, got something to say. How about the people who... Um, are like ripping Hall for saying that he would be choked if Edmonton wins the oh. Stanley Cup. Did you see once that caught like the Edmonton media? Dude, oh, great call, dude! It just shows you how fucking like you guys. Well, I know you, you guys can't win. Or like you fuck damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't say anything, people say, "Oh, these yep. guys don't give you shit." And then if you do say something, regardless of how thoughtful and honest and not shitting on anybody it was, then people are still gonna dump on you. Because I did see the comments, and I didn't want to get into with fucking people in Edmonton, but I wanted to be. Like, did you listen to the fucking interview? Like, I think people just read the headline. They're like, oh, he is a cancer. He did one. And one guy came at me on Twitter and was like, buddy, you, you show me with the evidence that he's a cancer and I'll have you on the podcast. And he never fucking replied, you know? Yeah, and even if he did, we wouldn't have him on the podcast. But um, <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe, like, I, I was, I was, I, I'm like, these people, are, are they serious? Like, I'm, like, you dream your entire life, and this happened to me. I was 100% choked. I wasn't rooting for Pittsburgh to win when they won. Like, I was really happy for my friends, but, like, these people who were like, what a fucking scumbag. He, he doesn't want Edmonton to win. I'm like, are you stupid? No, like, like, what do you think? He's going to be like, he's there for, like, five years, and then they, he leaves and they win the cup, and he's going to be, like, pumped up. It's just so foolish. So I'd be, It is a good point. I'd be choked means, like, 
I wouldn't like. I don't even like when he said it. I I don't have. What is that? Is that a Canadian thing? I'd be choked. I honestly don't think I've heard that up. before. Like, like the choked up. Yeah, I, maybe like. that is. Maybe that is actually Canadian. Yeah. I heard. I've heard it so much, but maybe it was actually Canadian. People in Boston don't say I'm. No, oh, I'm choked. I, I, or do they? I I'd, ne- I'd never heard it before. So, anyways, yeah, people with with shitheads about. Them. I mean, that's not specific to Edmonton. We're not picking on Edmonton. Every fan base has has that. But yeah, it was just like you know, he he couldn't have been. I mean. He was great at answering everything we asked, honestly. And like, so he didn't step on anyone's toes. He was, you know, he was direct. He was blunt. Yeah. But, you know, he certainly wasn't yeah. crying. But no, it's it's good that Edmonton picked it up and we got some traction there. Um, so all right, so actually, yeah, it was good. Wit, Wit was on TV yesterday with our boy Arm Dog and uh, Briz, Crazy Briz Galoff. If you caught it on NHL Network, they you guys livened up an otherwise fucking dud of a deadline. So Ryan, who are the who are the big winners and losers on trade deadline day? As as much as we can say that. Um. Well, before we get into that, I'll say like <laughs> I'm still coming off the high of just how exciting that deadline day was. Holy shit! Holy shit! We, yeah. we got there at seven in the morning and left at six. Now, granted, I was only on like five or six different times for six to seven minutes. We had, like you said, army members go. So we we tried to keep it loose to tell us some stories. But oh my god, it might be time to shut down like the uh, the nine hour deadline show. Yeah, and it's it's um you know I I think that. Well, this year with obviously the the expansion uh, expansion draft coming, but it seems like the deals are happening around um, the deadline. Like the deadline's like the Moroccan street fair of NHL GMs, and now it's like uh, not the deadline, the draft. I mean, all the deals are going to the draft, and the, the deadline it's nothing. I think GMs are putting their prices too high, yeah. and other GMs are backing off. You know, I agree, and I think a lot has to do with now just with the cap and the situations you have, like. You want to bring in a four million dollar guy? Most of the time, you got to get rid of a four million dollar guy. Contracts make it hard. I actually, uh, Jeff Merrick, who's been on our show, obviously, and I work up with at Sportsnet, told me of he, he had to double check, but he was pretty sure of the thirty three players traded. Half of them had been on waivers this year, so that's when you know it's not exactly the uh, the deadline of old when it was exciting and there'd be forty or so trades. But in terms of winners and losers, um, I said yesterday that Washington was my biggest winner and. Looking into it, um, they're so good. I mean, I picked them to win the cup, and I was scared at the beginning when they were struggling. But now they've just turned it on. They've come together. And then to actually go out and get the number one player available in Shattenkirk, um, you're just it's it's their time to get it done. You know what I mean? Like I, their right their right side of their defense is Carl Shattenkirk, Carlson, and Niskanen. Are you shitting me? Like all three guys, very very good players on the left side. They got you know Orpik, Alsner, the kid Dmitry Orlov's been great this year. Um, so Washington's, you know, a huge winner just because they added such a good defenseman in Shattenkirk who will make a big difference. And Minnesota did a lot. Uh, they're they're kind of going for it. It's really funny with both those teams, too, because you look at it and Washington's never really been able to beat Pittsburgh when it's mattered. And Minnesota's never been able to beat Chicago when it matters. And they both went out and added knowing that they have to get by one of those teams. You know, they got to get by those two teams. And this is probably going to be in the second round for both of them. And if they don't if they don't get it done now, I mean it's just it's like holy fuck! I don't know if they'll ever be you know Pittsburgh and Chicago will ever kind of be dethroned out of those divisions they're in. Yeah. Um, Toronto did a great job adding Brian Boyle. I think was a great move. He's going to help him out a ton. Babcock said you know he now can put his fourth line out against any line if he, if they're out there gets the first line he doesn't care. So Boyle makes a difference. Plus the, um, the leadership in the room that Brian will, Brian will bring. You know what I mean? Like there's such a young team and, and he's a guy who's been in some battles and his, he's certainly yeah. a respected voice in the room. And you know I don't think you can discount that, especially in the playoffs. 
No, and I think that, you know, he's played um, more playoff games than anyone else in the league in the last, like, six or seven years. So, wow, no uh, he's shit, been huh? there. He's, yeah, he's been to a couple finals. Um, always, you know, going deep with the Rangers in Tampa. So just a great addition. Um, I, I, it's funny, like, you talk about the – we've talked about this before, how the deadline is is really, really fun for fans at times and trades are really cool. But the whole, like, human aspect of it, when you don't really think of what's going on, Brian's got, you know, he just he's got two young kids. He's got his wife, and it's just like all of a sudden he's just moving up to Toronto, not going to see him. And he was he was a little upset about that, uh, but I'm sure once he gets playing up here, he'll love it. It's just crazy to think like how quick your life can just change on on, on these trades. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. That's it is kind of like you know I I was going to write about that how it's you know people sitting around like oh nothing happened, <clears throat> and it's like when something does happen, it, it totally uproots these guys' lives, and you know people yeah. people forget that people forget that, but but they you know there, there's definitely a human element involved. Now uh, as far as you know, I, I agree with you. Washington is a big one, of Toronto with a couple nice ads, but now Montreal's an interesting team. That they holy fuck they added a lot, but you, you almost wonder if they added. You know, too much. They brought in, you know, Jordy Ben, uh, Nestor off from Tampa, um, Steve Ott, and um, Dwight King from L.A. I mean, that's four players. Obviously, you know, they might not all get in the lineup. This is a team that's already struggling to score. Um, you wonder if, like, it's almost too many assholes. I mean, you know, Gallagher, <clears throat> what's his name, Ott, and um, Shaw, either one of those guys might take a dumb penalty at, at a random time on the, on one team, but not, I mean on different teams. Now you all have them on one team. I mean, it, it doesn't that, is that too many guys to add at the deadline, Ryan? It was so funny yesterday because all day, like even the guys, you know, all the sports net insiders were sitting around and just like they got to be doing something else. Like this can't be just it, you know. Like I was kind of waiting for them to try to get through Shane, and then that you know that that kind of came it came about that they were just asking for way too much, but. I mean, they they did a lot and really did nothing at the same time. I mean, they brought <laughs> yeah. in guys um, who, you know, like you said, I don't even know if they'll all be in the lineup. But how many how many pests can you have? Like you think a Shaw? It was a great point. Ott, Shaw, and Gallagher. Holy fuck! Like, Seriously, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, and they can't score right now, and they didn't do anything for that. Um, not that they, you know, not that they could with what was being asked. But Montreal to me was kind of a loser for having an active day. I just don't think they're very good. I mean, it all comes down to price. They can't score, and when he's not just out of this world, they're just they're not they're not that good. So, um, yeah, it was it was a weird move. I mean, Dwight King could make a difference. How about L.A. though? They like they bring in Aginla, who's Hall of Fame career, amazing player, but just kind of you know at this point, it's just running on fumes. Sutton and they're gonna Aginla. and they're gonna put him with Kopitar, like who's just you know had a really off year. It's like. LA, it's time to just maybe kind of try to rebuild this. Not rebuild, that's not the right word, but I mean, it's just, it's not, I don't think it's going to happen for those guys this year. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing with LA is they're so close, though, that, you know, to, that they, if they get in the playoffs, now not only do they have Jonathan Quick, they got Ben Bishop, too, who was just in, just in a cup. I mean, it's a hell, of, a hell of a one-two punch, you know, and especially with Quick coming off an injury. He, you know, if he, if he were to re-injure himself, they got a, they got a damn good backup. Yeah. And, and again, though, obviously he's, you know, winding down, kind of getting toward the end there. But, you know, at the same time, he's still a, a guy, I think, you know, he's got what, what, 600 goals or whatever the hell he's got in his career and, you know throw him out there on the second power play you know he's a guy who might might still be able to score a big big goal or two for you but um, yeah he it, could find a little magic um but it's just it's it, it is true they did win the cup as the eighth seed one year so you just get in and you never know but i like the i like the bruins bringing in stafford kind of a 
you know, low risk guy to bring who's had some good years and kind of just got bumped away by Patrick Line and where he is on the power play. And he's a skilled guy. So he could maybe help out the Bruins a little bit. You know, at least they added something trying to trying to push as they've played so well lately. Right. And I, I know, you know, you know, a lot of fans are going to look, oh, you only had four goals in Winnipeg. Blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, like, it's like, okay, Winnipeg's underperformed this year. He's been hurt. Like you said, Patrick Line is probably taking a lot of his, his former power play time. He's a, he's a great little ad. He's a great ad. I mean, he, he could potentially be, you know, in the top top line, maybe a top six at some point. He could play power play, kill the penalties. Uh, he's a good team guy. The I ladder mean, effect. You talked about it last night on the radio. The ladder effect where, you know, it's going to push someone someone that's on a top line down. Exactly. If, you, if they put him on the, you know, second line, then that's going to put you form a second line down to your third line and bump it. And, and it has, you know, that ripple effect of the lineup ripple where it, it, it makes the whole forward core better. Uh, plus, he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's you know, he scored 31 goals a couple of years ago. He's broken 20 goals 40, four times in a 10-year career. He's, you know, he's got some skill in the stick. And, and for a conditional six, that could go high as a fourth. I mean, it was a no-brainer. When I saw the Canadians got ought, I was, you know, I, I wanted the Bruins to go out and get him. I know Bruins fans hate him, but I would have thought, he, I think he would have been a nice ad, but Stafford, you know, probably probably some more skill. So, it, it definitely a good pickup. Um, you know, as, as a Bruins fan, like you know, the difference between now and three weeks ago, it, it's it's night and day. I mean, it felt like impending doom with Claude here, and they're, they're going to choke again. And now seven and one into Cassidy, and um, you know, they're, they're gunning for the division. It's 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 quite a turnaround. Yeah, no, I mean, it's good. It's good for them. Um, it's funny, dude. I, I know it's kind of changing the subject quick, but it's all right. I got I, I got to get Brisgallov on the podcast. Holy fuck, was that a fun day? What's with this it like? Guy. He's out of his mind. What's it like to work with that guy? Like, what, what does he dude, talk he was, about? So he, he was. He, they brought him in, and it was. I don't know, like their plan at the beginning. They he did a first segment with um, a guy, and he and he, he he it was his first time on TV. I mean, like he also has to compute like the. He's got to do the, you know, he's got to turn everything into English from Russian in his head. So he's like taking a little while to answer. And then they decided to put him up with us, which was which was perfect. But um, just just like has some thoughts on life and like, space and aliens that was just cracking me up. And so he seems uh, like a like, real like a really intelligent guy too. I mean, a little out there, like a little like kind of goofy or whatever. But he's he's definitely like like a, a smart guy. He, he seems like you know. Yeah, no, he was a real nice guy too. But if you go on, um, if you just Google uh, twenty five. Uh, Ilya Brizgalov quotes Sportsnet. Just Google that. They have all his stuff that he said yesterday on air, and we were hanging out in the hallway. So he, he got some classic stuff stuff on there. I mean, like one of them. I'm an old school guy. I believe in oil and gas. I don't want to save money. I want to spend money. More money I spend, better for the economy. <laughs> People are looking around like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, he is but, uh, fucking hilarious. So, yeah, yeah, guys. A question: Is chicken meat or is it a bird? I don't understand. Yeah, when he was on, yeah, an NHL, um, the the fucking <laughs> was a, the when the one of the classic shows they used to do on HBO that they, which, which they don't do anymore. Twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. Yeah, he was he was hilarious on that. So, so I think that I, I mentioned to a bunch of guys. You think because I you know good thing we uh, I got some good good feedback from Spit and Chicklets. A lot of guys up here told me they listen and they're fans, so it's good to hear. Good. And I asked them if they all thought Briz would be good on the podcast. They all said, oh, hundred percent. So I'll try to work on that could be interesting yeah, absolutely I, I i would i think he would be a most interesting guest uh certainly i mean growing up in russia and he's his unique take on on things i think he would be a fantastic guest so yeah we'll work on that uh so yeah the deadline day another dud as far as fireworks go so uh now we're gonna go to a, a quick little all right hamilton because again we, we got a pretty nice long interview for you for with uh, Liam McHugh. so we'll, you know we just want to address the trade deadline 
And uh, real quick, let's address our uh, Canadian listeners before I go to the Good n- call. N- number one in Canada. Thanks. Good. Shout out to the Canadian listeners. Good call, there. Grinnell. Shout, exactly. Shout out to our, our to our great white North listeners. I'm actually coming up there this weekend, so I'll be able to spread the word of uh, of spitting checkers. But it was great to go number one and up that up there and number two down here at the same time. Uh, thanks to everybody. Thanks, eh? Yeah, thanks, A. Thanks, thanks A. And, so, uh, and yo, thanks to America. Sorry. <laughs> you got to go to Earl's. All right, you got to go to Earl's up here. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When, when are you leaving? Uh, I leave tomorrow morning. Oh, so we're, we're going to miss each other. All right. Miss connections. All right. So, uh, all right, Hamilton all right. here, oh. boys. Uh, oh. So, uh, Jay Spro asks, uh, any good stories about boys solving jersey number conflicts? Ooh, that's a great question. All right, Hamilton. Uh, you know what? I, I we were talking about this yesterday because again, Gabrick's number twelve in L.A. Ginla's going to wear eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Wondering I saw like, that. what would happen, which is fucking foolish. Dude, eighty-eight. He's going to want to fight Lindros now. <laughs> I actually, I, I think his kids might have picked it, so I Dude, feel a little bad, but it's still it's foolish. Speak, I don't feel bad. Speaking of late, um, um, you know what? All I've ever really seen is guy. I, I've seen guys, uh, you know, buy a guy a watch. Uh, pay some guy money. Pay pay guy money. I, I don't. I don't really have any good like stories, but I know that many times um, it's cost guys money. The one thing I do remember that that uh, Timu Solani told me was it's really funny. He ended up playing for Randy Carlisle, obviously, when they won the Stanley Cup in Anaheim. And Timu's rookie year, Randy was a defenseman on the Winnipeg Jets, which is crazy to end up fucking playing for one of your teammates who's a prick to you. Then, um, <laughs> so Timu Timu went up to him and said. Um, he wanted his number, and uh, it was number eight, I believe. Team wore 13 in Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Yeah, so third, he wanted 13. eight, and he ended up wearing eight later on. So he he uh, he's like, he asked Randy. He asked Randy for his money. Like this rookie Finnish kid, he asked Randy Carlin for his number, who'd won a Norris Trophy, and I guess Randy goes, get the fuck out of my face. Are you shit me even fucking asking? And then he goes on and gets 76 fucking goals. <laughs> <laughs> fucking still a record. Randy was a grumpy old bastard that just didn't even like a rookie asking for the number. I got buckled with Solani one night at the fucking hop back at the on the garden used to be open when like when Kachuk used to come to town every year and like half of Medford and Charlestown would go to the game and he come out after the game one night. Well, it was fucking hilarious, man. Like, can he t- drink? Oh yeah, he was he was probably actually, probably twenty three, twenty four, and yeah, like. Um, you, you know the you know Robbie crazy Robbie Concanon from Dorchester. Yes, yes. Oh, he's yes. a right. He was I believe he's think he's like the GM of the South Carolina Stingrays now. He was he was teaching um, Solani how to talk trash in English, like telling people he's <laughs> nasty. Like oh, it was, it was hilarious. Just one of those nights you fucking uh, see have it in your memory. Ever, um, have I ever gone on my Solani quick rant about how much of a legend he is? No, it's here. Oh my god, always got time this for guy, this guy. Literally, is the best human being. He's fucking. First of all, he's jacked. Shredded, still is completely shredded. Tan, handsome, smokes a <laughs> wife, beautiful kids, fucking six hundred or whatever goals. I don't even know how many goals he has. He's got an absolute rope on him too. He's a sick golfer, owns about twenty five cars. He's just got the world by the balls, and every day he's smiling. One of the best guys I've ever played with. Complete legend of the game. Yeah, he he is definitely one of the more beloved players of the, of the last twenty years. And like you know, even like I said, one one night of like three hours at the hop with him, and you, you gotta get a sense of like you know how how good the how good of a person he was. It was fucking dynamite. Yeah. So, all right, Grinelli, what do we got next? All right, Alex Rubin asks, who's living the dream better, players that go major junior or the ones that go big time NCAA, and then he. Put in parentheses, party and puck. All right, Hamilton. Oh, dude, we talked. It's really funny. We talked about this last night because um, Colby Armstrong's up here, and 
and he, along with a lot of other guys, Mark Recchi, uh, Gary Roberts, have said, like, you know, if their kids ever played hockey and were good, these are guys who played junior, they would have them go to college. Because I, I don't even think you could compare the two. Let's think. You either want to go play in Moose Jaw, which, by the way, Briskalov called Jaw Moose yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you can either go play in Moose Jaw or fucking Prince George. Or, I mean, London's actually unbelievable for the OHL, but Sault Ste. Marie. Or you can go live in Boston in a dorm with smoke show girls that are your age and play in front of them all the time. Like, I, I can't even – and you play less games. Your body doesn't get as, as beat up. College hockey's awesome now. It's getting better year by year. I don't even – there's not even a comparison for me. The only reason I would ever really go to juniors if, or, or send a, a kid to juniors if you had someone who was like, you know, at 16, 17, you're like, this kid's going to be in the NHL. Um, or 15, 16, like, this kid could be in the NHL in like two, three years. Then maybe you go to junior and you dominate and you go – you know you're going to be in the NHL uh, – at a really young age, but for me, it's no question. It's college all the way. Yeah, and if you if you're that good, you're gonna go either way. I mean, obviously, yeah. the, the choice is you know different and better for for certain people. But in some kids, just don't want to deal with the fucking academic side. They're done with school. The last thing they want to do is pick up a book, especially if they know they're only gonna go to go for a year or two. But but you're right. It just seems like the the amenities are better in college. You're not taking fucking buses all all the way over the western prairies for 15 hours at a time. You know, and Moose Jaw. Yeah. You can't think of Moose Jaw as a schedule without thinking of slap shot. I'm gonna wiggle. <laughs> I'm gonna wiggle it at him, Joe. So you have a heart attack and fucking die. So you don't have to do this shit anymore. All right, Grinelli. Let's do. We'll do one more Hamilton, and then and then we'll bring you out to uh, Liam McHugh. All right, guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that panic goal last night. But oh. that, that was unbelievable. Oh. A lot of questions Holy about that. Holy shit! I know. I'm gonna go with the. Uh, Question about the Hawks. Jeremy O.D. asks, uh, Hawks rolling like a freight train right now. Peaking too early? Question mark. Cup chances? Question mark. The Hawks? Uh, Hawks are always yeah. a good contender to me. I, I don't think the Hawks can I'm sorry. I don't think the Hawks can peak too early. I mean, they, they, they've I been agree. there. They can do what they're going to do. Um, yeah. I, I, other teams, maybe you might, well, you know, like look at Philadelphia Flyers. They peak. I, I think it's safe to say they peak too early. Um, but, yeah, no. It's the fucking Blackhawks. They're dangerous, regardless or whatever. Go ahead, Witt. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, they, they no, they've been they've been so good. They're right there, one of the favorites. Um, you heard Taves and... Taves was, like, kind of getting chirped. He was having an off year. He's making, you know, $10 million or whatever, and he's been on fire, player of the month. Uh, he started playing with that uh, that panic and that Jordan – is it Jordan Smaltz? Or I don't know. Fuck, I hope it's Jordan. I feel bad. I don't can't think of his first name. Played Nick in North Smaltz. Dakota. He, he, had, he had a dirty assist last night to Kane. Um, who, it was just – the, the team's on a roll. They, that, that line started clicking, and then you always have Kane and – and Panera and the bread man going going at it together and they're elite. So it's just it's a great team that that I mean you could you wouldn't be surprised at all if they go on to win the cup this year. It's it's gonna come down like we said earlier, them in Minnesota getting out of the division. Whoever wins probably will be a favorite. And the Chicago coach just brought uh, Johnny Oduya back to shore up the decor a little. And yeah, I mean, you, it's starting. I'm starting to salivate waiting for the playoffs. Yeah, I know we get a little. I know. Little, same here. Uh, I, you know what? Too people are people are are kind of quietly or not mentioning San Jose too. They could. They're they're a yeah. good team. I think where they are, they don't get mentioned as much. But heads up for them. Okay, actually, actually we're gonna do, we're gonna do one more. What's got? I mean, sorry, Grinelli got one one more good Hamilton. Wait, I had to, I have to ask you this one because I just came across and it looks real good. What's the mo- and and now this applies to RA too because Uh-oh. RA was getting recognized in Manhattan. <laughs> so what is the most uh, DM the details asks, What is the most creepy slash fucked up fan encounter you've ever heard of or had? All right. 
fuck, creepy or most fucked up fan encounter? Like, man, I don't. In college, where girls just like knocking on your dorm door, dorm door, being like, yeah, no, son, yeah. sounds real, yeah. sounds real creepy, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> if by creepy you mean unreal, yeah, seriously, peasant. Um, dude, I, I can't, I can't really think I, of anything. There was a crazy, crazy like stalker type um, girl fan from like a Wilkes-Barre booster club that made me like one day she just dropped off this like. Dude, it was like a binder, fucking 50 pages of just, like, newspaper cutouts of, like, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton mm. Times of, like, like like box scores and, like, pictures of me getting, like, hit into the glass was, with my face and they get the glass. And, like, I was like, thank you very much. Was Holy it, fuck, get away from me. Was it Pam, was it Pam Beasley? <laughs> I remember the yeah. first time I saw, like, that show was there. I was like, holy fuck, I live there. Oh, my God. I got after it there. It's so, unreal. To, to, and it's funny. I mean, I, we can answer um, Granelli's question last week with that Bauer. At, like, honest, it, it was funny that, that we talked about this last night on, on the radio shows. Like, you know, Boston, no one, you know, and I don't expect to be, like, recognized by anybody other, other than who I know. So we were in Manhattan, and it happened, like. Happened, it happened ha- multiple times. It ha- yeah, it, it even it, happened to me, which it, is the crazy that, part. Dude, Grinnell's was getting sniped in bars in fucking Manhattan. Like, that's. It, that, yeah, you're single, Grinnell's. You better no, live it up, dude. But like, oh, pe- I took advantage. People are, re- <laughs> pe- people are recognizing him in the bar. So it was fucking like, you know, because New York's known for, like, oh, not giving a fucking. And, you know, obviously, we were in bars with, like, where stoolies were up. But, but there was one, you know, one guy. Let me tell the story about at when we were at the first bar with the with the guy that recognized you. Okay, real quick. So this yeah. guy, it, it was it was hilarious. So we were saving the seat for RA all night, and he finally comes to the bar, and this we we had given it away right before he got there. So uh, RA, the guy looks at RA and goes, "Is this your seat?" And before he could even finish saying, "Is this your seat?" He goes, "Holy shit! Are you Rear Admiral? Hey, buddy, you can ha- you can have my seat." He goes, "Have have my seat. Let me buy you a beer. I got. Let me get you next few drinks." And the guys, hey, Rear Admiral paid this guy to do it. It was yeah. all set up. <laughs> yeah, you got caught. You got like cocked, Grinelli. <laughs> <I> got cocked. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, so that yeah, that was pretty wild. And you know, but but you in the brief time we were there, you can actually see like the, the other guy who was come over and you know he was you know he's loaded, but he was friendly at first, and then he just wouldn't leave. Like, then, you know, me, you, okay. and PFT were having a fucking powwow there. That wasn't at the Village Tavern, though. No, not at the Village Tavern. The kid at the Village Tavern was awesome. No, he was awesome. But this guy, you know, and he's just like, he's like trying to, like, get in your, like, mini circle of conversation. Like, oh, totally. Oh, that's the worst. Dude. People are the worst. I have uh, no problem when I was playing if people came up. Right, absolutely. You know, like, uh, hey, guys, you know, big fan of the Penguins. Nice to meet you. Can I buy you a drink? But like, don't stay standing next to me. I don't want to keep talking right. to you. Especially when you're not even talking. He was just like trying to hone in. So like, we had to like fucking like put like a shield on him. And and then if you know, then it's like, well, if you tell the guy like, can you leave? Then you're like, yeah. Exactly. Oh, then you're, you're a fucking friend. asshole, buddy. I'm not listening to you show anyway. It's like you gotta like straddle that fine line. So yeah, it, yeah. it was cool. People, nine, you know, they, they were awesome. I mean, that was the only guy who was kind of and, and yeah, he was he was more drunk than anything. But you know, like I mean, Trent, like sitting with Trent was like sitting with fucking. Paul McCartney, you know right? what I mean? Like down, I mean it was fucking nonstop. You know, like me and me and him was sitting there talking to the village tavern that night, and it was just not, you know, nonstop. And you know, he's the, he's a big teddy bear of a guy, anyways. And you know, it's just it's just fucking wild that you know this crazy yeah. website gets all this. So and they were real good uh, to us. Down before there. we go, yeah. Uh, yeah. before we go, I just wanted to mention. Unfortunately, I'm not on the interview with McHugh. I was working, but also I went on the. 
the Pat McAfee show presented oh. by Barstool Sports. Oh, so nice it, synergy! It, it came out today. He had, he he has long podcasts. It's in the comedy section. Definitely, um, he had like three or four guests on. But um, I went on there, so it's, it's at the end of the episode. If you want to check that out, some good good plugs for Spitting Chicklets, and he's a really good guy, funny dude. Nice, nice. Um, so, all right, all right. So that that's going to wrap up this you know little trade that de- trade deadline, our li- sort of live portion of the show. And now we're going to bring in, uh, bring in Liam McHugh again. This was the interview we, we recorded in New York last week. Liam come into Manhattan on his own time and his own dime just to just to do this interview. So uh, we can't thank him enough. He was gracious with his time. Uh, he has a pretty pretty cool story. Again, if you're into if you're a journalism major, or even, whether now or twenty years ago, uh, he's got a, a great story of his background. So uh, without further ado, we're going to bring in Liam. McHugh. Oh, I'm a poet and didn't know it. Okay, everybody, we got a very special guest in studio today. Uh, a real good get for us. Liam McHugh of NBC Sports Network was nice enough to schlep all the way up to Manhattan to come into our studio and join us. Liam, say hello to everybody. That's great to be here. Beautiful day in New York. Late February, walking from Penn Station here to Unbelievable. 27th Street, Manhattan. Gorgeous, sunny. I got on the train platform. True story. Woman walks up about 15 feet away, looking at me, looking at me, vomits. Ugh. Train Welcome. comes on the train. Let's go to the city You're right in now. New York. Here we are. Exactly. That's right. It's That's either, your welcome to New York. It's either like a homeless yeah. person, like you know, holding a sign, or, or someone puking on you like yeah. that. Yeah. And there's a lot worse you can see. You're certainly walking ahead, <laughs> so you probably got off, got off good. So, anyways, how long have you been with NBC Sports Network for? You've been six or seven years. Yeah. Now? So I got there uh, 2011. I got there and I did. Uh, they brought me on, kind of trying me out with hockey to see if it was something that could fit. Uh, yeah, I think it was right when they were turning over from Versus right. to NBC Sports Network. I'd uh, been on Versus before. So it kind of gave me a whirl. I was more of a casual hockey fan at the time, and I think they knew that going in, so they wanted to see if it would work. And I think they liked the idea of just putting a personality uh, next to Milbury, right. seeing if you <laughs> a, could a, be next to him a lion team. and survive. <laughs> yeah, so I did that year, and I did uh, first two games of the Stanley Cup that year. Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. uh, yep. out in Vancouver. Vancouver, as you know, won the first two games. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. Rear, the Rear was I, out there. I, I, for game seven, I was out there. See, yeah. I only did the first two games, Okay, uh, which was great because then I hung out in Vancouver for a few days. It was a beautiful place. But it was over. They were celebrating. Oh. It was like a mosh pit of humanity in the streets. Hilarious. A huge party. That cup was theirs. It was done. And yeah. then they burned the city down. Yes. Yeah, I was not there for that. You were there for that. I got, there yeah, for it was yeah. weird because I've always wanted to go to Vancouver. It was one of those cities, beautiful city you hear about. I don't think I saw one mountain, nothing there because I got there late Tuesday. The game was Wednesday or whatever. And basically I was on a plane home and being in the arena during the riot, that was crazy because you know, you're watching a riot. It's big a mile J journalist. down the street. Yeah, big J journalist. <laughs> and you're like, man, like, is this going to come down? We never felt unsafe. You know, that yeah. building's like a fortress, but it was pretty crazy, man. Then they had the media shuttle, had to take detours and everything, but but we loved it in Boston, man. It was like, you know, you, you're totally embarrassing yourself as a city. You, you, you're lost <laughs> and you're burning your city down. So let me ask you, you said, you know, you weren't uh, a hockey broadcaster before NBC Sports picked you up. Is that a tough transition to go from, you know, not broadcasting the game to broadcasting on its biggest stage? Basically? I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's difficult just because I think there's, uh, it's a devout audience that's somewhat unforgiving. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is probably a nice way of putting it. But, uh, and you're dealing with a lot of names that are not like, hey, listen, you see it in text. It's the worst. You see it in copy and you've been reading it to yourself. Then you get up and you're like, well, now I have to say it out loud in front of, you know, potentially a few million people. It's a little different. So, and if you make a mistake, people are going to bury you. So, Vasilevsky. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's rough, those, yeah. you know. So, uh, now, luckily, I mean, 
Milbury was helpful. Keith Jones is a, a great guy to work with who knows everything about the game. And those guys, you know, were willing to work with me, I think is another thing. You know, they'd been around for a while. They were established. They didn't, you know. And they didn't have to do that because there's a lot of guys yeah. in this business who, who would, you know, beat a kid. You're on Easily. your own, you know. Easily. And those guys, uh, no, they made it work. And I think for me it was, you know, it's like cramming for a test every night. And, I mean, you know? Jonesy, he seems like, to me, a guy who doesn't get a, as, a much, as much appreciation as he should. Because, like you say, he, he knows the game well. He's so well-spoken. It, it seems like he should, I mean, I guess he's in a great role, but it, it seems like he should be doing. A team working with another team full time somewhere. I mean, he's he's very good at what he does. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'd say underrated is the exact way to put it. And I, I think he's fine with that. Yeah. Though, yeah. Which, which is maybe why he stays that way. Right. I think he he's the perfect foil for Milbury. You know, he's kind of the straight man. He'll needle him a little bit here and there. But he's also the type of guy, and I've worked with, you know, all levels of of, uh, analysts, guys that, you know, just came out of the league, that were new to it. And, you know, those guys, you kind of have to, let's prep every little thing, make sure it's okay. Jonesy, like, we go out there, we have an hour show. It doesn't make a difference. Throw anything you want at him. He's got a response. He has the knowledge. And... He'll walk you right through it. It's great. And you said Mike Milbury. He he's a guy. I, I I'm a Milbury fan. I like what he does. I think he you know I like people throw a little salt out there. I grew up watching him. But what's what's he like? Be you know when you on, on on camera is he is he the same? I think he's probably the same, if not maybe a little bit more intense. Does he try so, to like dole out noogies on the set or anything? Yeah, he seems listen, like totally like he would. Well, like, I mean that's the atmosphere on set. It's basically uh, I mean we get new researchers and they have to be warned that you know like. You're gonna get crap from these guys. Uh, see, it's a lot the way of it is. a lot of TV jobs aren't like that, though. I mean, no. I, I work in the television industry as well, and I mean, I work at a news station, so it's a lot more stiff. And yep. you know, to hear that, that's you know, loose, and that's that's pretty cool. I'll put it this way: they're counting down. You're at the news station, right? It's silence. Yeah. Before, okay. They're counting down to me, probably bringing people on the air for the Stanley Cup final. Those two are talking until two. Like five, four, and they're talking about anything other than the game, right up to the end, right next to me. It's loose. I mean, they know yeah. it, and I'm used to it now, so it's fine, and I like it. But while that I can imagine could be distracting for a number of people, right. uh, I'm used to it now, and I like the vibe now throughout the show. I mean, once we get rolling, sometimes when it's too structured, it's not that enjoyable. Right. And I don't think it's that enjoyable to, for the viewer. Exactly. So. You know, like I said, I, I am in the broadcast industry as well. And me and Rear were, t- were talking about this before we came on, though. This, it's an industry that, you know, it requires a lot of luck. Definitely. A lot of hard work. You have to put in your hours. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, your rise to before NBC Sports and, like, you know, kind of what it took to, to get there, all the, all the hours and... The, yeah. the shit behind the scenes. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that it takes a lot of luck. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who says otherwise is Huge. either uh, extremely connected, which I guess is a luck of their own, yeah. or uh, lying. Because, I mean, I was a writer before. I worked at Newsday. I did some freelance work at uh, ESPN Magazine. And I was doing okay. But I, I kind of realized uh, it probably wasn't going to happen right. in, in a major way for me. I also saw that uh, magazines were going from like phone book thickness to you know little pamphlets. So I went back to school. I got... Uh, a master's in broadcast journalism. And then I went to, and I was writing in New York City, and I went to Terre Haute, Indiana. That was my first TV job. Tiny little Terre Haute, Indiana, small town. Uh, and then you're grinding. You're doing everything there. You know, you're... Uh, if shooting your own shots. Shoot, shooting, editing. Producing. Uh, uh, writing everything, producing. Uh, if the morning show host is out for a week, you're getting up. Now you're hosting news in the morning. It was good. It was perfect because you go to the small market, you learn top to bottom, you make mistakes, 
people are forgiving. It's okay. High school sports, yeah, covering high exactly. school sports yeah, I mean, and stuff it's like that. So it was like high school basketball. Yeah. High school basketball was everything. In fact, I covered oh, Greg God, Oden yeah. when he was in high school. No uh, kidding. Yeah, huh? Mike Conley, Greg Oden. Wow. Uh, Do you almost feel like that's an advantage? Like you said, you didn't know much about hockey. Do you almost feel like since you've been thrown in so many different situations before, you kind of knew? I think it is. I do. And I, I mean, people always ask, you know, especially like people who are just starting in, uh, you know, if they're going to school for broadcast journalism, you know, they, everyone, listen, everyone wants a shortcut. Everyone would love to start at a major market or move up. But I think there's something to be said for starting low and learning everything about it and just going out there and they're saying, hey, you're on live. Like, you got to get this done. It's up to you from start to finish to get it done. Uh, from there, I went to Oklahoma City, which was a great sports town. I was. 15 feet away from Mike Gundy when he did his I'm a Man, I'm 40 rant. I was there uh, for Blake Griffin, Sam Bradford. Uh, I was there when they had the Hornets, lost the Hornets, and got the oh, Sonics. Yeah, that was like a, yeah. like yep. a blink It was amazing. It. it was like yeah. two and a half years of just right. madness. So uh, that was fantastic. And then I was out of work. I was out of work for 13 months. I'd left. I'd had some feelers out there. They all fell through. Uh, my wife was in the business. She was a TV news anchor in Virginia. I At that time, we were dating. We got engaged. I moved in with her. And I was on the couch for 13 months, bad Irish beard, been there, depressed, <laughs> wondering what's going to happen. Trying, I mean, trying to do anything for money. Any thoughts of quitting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was looking around at, at uh, just anything that at this point, especially when you you start to have this, when you have an unstable life through your job, you start looking like what, what's the most stable job possible? Yeah, you tell know, me about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, can I right just get something you. that? Yeah, and at, you know that after 13 months, uh, it was amazing. I mean, I got two offers in a week. And I could have gone to Boston, or I could have gone to New York, and I'm from New York. And it was a startup show, The Daily Line. If, uh, I don't know if you remember that on Versus. Didn't okay. last very long. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was one of those, again, where they were kind of getting, give me a lot of freedom. Let's see what happens. And, and someone probably saw you there, like like you know, like what they saw, saw your potential. Which, I'm sorry, which job in Boston were you offered? I was offered a job at Nesson, uh, which I think, for a show, I think for a show that did not actually happen. Yeah, smart move end. taking yeah. the New York job that that ended up the show failed because Nesson. I mean, Nesson's a good breeding ground for like getting people out there, but I, yeah, you probably didn't want to come work there. People who work there can't stand. It. Yeah, I'm not I saying mean, anything. I'll probably be yeah, applying for yeah, a job. Yeah, the funny <laughs> I mean, from my point of view, uh, Nesson was easily the more stable of the two things. Huh. Easily because it was like an established entity. And, but that's the part of the yeah. industry, though. You got to take risks. Yeah, you, you got to make the risk that's best for you in your career. And it's different now. I mean, I got a couple kids, so uh, I'm not as risk prone i'm not uh definitely not i mean but but you have to you're absolutely right and i think yeah if there's any recommendations it's get out of your comfort zone i mean i'm a new york guy i grew up here my first jobs are here all my friends basically grew up here went to school in the east coast came back to new york and live and work in new york city area uh you know i've lived in indiana oklahoma um and i've lived in some areas that like maybe weren't that nice yeah but you know maybe not the most desirable places uh i enjoyed my time there I don't know. I think I'm a little bit better off. Yeah, I mean, stuff like so. that gives you character. I know it's like a cliche, but I think yeah. it really does. You know, when you have to do things you might necess- not necessarily want or your place should leave your comfort zone. Exactly. Now you're from Long Island originally. Yep. How did you completely eradicate that Long Island <laughs> accent out of your mouth? Like, you, there's not a trace of it anywhere. I, I think moving around helped definitely yeah, yeah. because uh, that's the one thing. I mean, you can make mistakes. In different places, but you cannot drop into Indiana and start saying Long Island. Yeah, that things are awesome because it's just not going to not going to fly. Yeah, you can't. Out, yeah, you can't out a coffee there. And I will, it's, I will uh, commend you. You might be the only person who graduated from Syracuse who didn't make a point to to, to let everybody know you went to you know Syracuse. What? I, I went to grad school there, so I think even more so. <laughs> but I think that's why, uh, because I'm not an undergrad. Like I don't have a. I mean, listen, I met my wife there. Uh, 
and I had a good year there. And then I paid for it for about like thirty years. Oh uh, god! Or at least the two of us will combine pay for it for about thirty years. But uh, listen, it was a great experience, and I learned a lot. So, but. I, I, you know, it's not my undergrad, so like I, I don't have that love affair right. with the university that people do. Now, that, that's one thing I want to ask about journalism. I see guys up in our area who who went there and they let everybody know it, and they suck. They don't they don't have that intuition. I mean, how much of journalism do you think is taught in school versus just innate in somebody's personality? Like, and, and let me cut in real quick there. Just I, I see these kids that because you know I'm I'm a you know I, I consider myself a young journalist trying to get in the industry, and I didn't go to a good you know, journalism school. I, I didn't. I went to Plymouth State in New Hampshire. And, you know, I see these kids at Syracuse, and I have friends that are at Syracuse, and they're not good. Like R.A. said, they're not good. They're they're just well, bland, I, I, almost. I, well, I think there's something to be said about the fact that uh, you can produce a good broadcaster from there, just someone who's uh, crisp, knows how to broadcast, knows how to present themselves. Uh, I, I think it's important to... Listen, I, I know, personally, I think it's important to have, like, more of a broad-based knowledge have a bunch of different things to talk about, uh, you know, have varied interests, and then you can learn that. I mean, you can learn that on the job. You can exactly. learn that at school. Uh, it may take a little bit more time, uh, and I'm not saying those schools can't, like Syracuse, can't produce those people. They certainly have. I mean, Mike Tirico is one of those guys easily. You know, Bob Casas is one of those guys, obviously, can talk about anything right. anytime, anywhere. Uh, but I think there is something to be said about, like, producing a person that can do a perfect live shot or producing a person that, uh, if you're going back and forth with on the air, can give you some thoughtful responses on different subjects off the top of their heads. Yeah, it just seems like oh, I'm going to go to Syracuse or well, any journalism school and get this degree, and then and then that's all said. But it's like yeah, but you don't necessarily have the skills to be a journalist just because you got the degree. I like I said, I think it's just like an almost like an innate or a part of someone's personality to have that inquisitive nature to want to learn as opposed yep. to just going out and being a Ted Baxter. That's think, a Mar- that's a Mary Tyler Moore reference for you, young. Wow, especially <laughs> especially in the new age of journalism, which you know with podcasts and and just the opinionated. You know, direction that the industry is going. It's it, you're born with that. You're born with an opinionated personality. It's not something that you can go to school for. Yeah, and I also think, I mean, part of it's grinding. I mean, if you're going to go, uh, especially if you're going to get in the reporter role, if you're going to do anything like that, I mean, it's work. Yeah, like, and it's all day, every day. And I think for me, you know, early on in my career, one of the benefits was, I mean, I was single. I was living in a place where I didn't know a lot of people, so I was able to just sit there and work. For me, I think growing up, I kind of wanted to emulate someone, like whether it was like Katie Nolan or Aaron Andrews, like being a woman, you don't really have that, like someone that you like, like being a male in a broadcast injury, you know, injury, (laughs) broadcast industry, you know, you kind of have almost an advantage because it's not going to be based on your looks or based on whatever. So I kind of looked up to, like, the Aaron Andrews of the business, the Katie Nolans. Did you have someone you kind of emulated when you were little? I don't know. I, I mean, I think I was – first off, I always wanted to be a writer at the beginning, yeah. so it wasn't something that I was, like, really considering. Uh, I mean, I listen, it's tough not to say you like Bob Costas. I love Bob Costas. Uh, I think he's fantastic. But at the same point – I realize my personality is very different. Yes. You know, yes. and I'm not going to be that, that right. guy. Uh, so to me, it was always like taking little pieces from people that I thought were similar and something I could apply to myself. And frankly, I think part of it also was I could look around and say, Ugh, like, I didn't like that. Do I do that? Right, right. You know, yeah. to different people. Like, and, and even some people that I really thought were fantastic on air. If they did little things that just bothered me, I'd just sit there and like, oh, let's try to avoid. You know, it's like mm-hmm. trimming away the, the excess. 
Uh, and I'm still doing that. I mean, there's still times. Yeah, you get off the air and you're like, God, oh, yeah, like I can't believe that was on television. Yeah, um, I, we do the same thing. I'll listen. I mean, I, my wife, God bless her. I don't know how she puts out my voice all the time, but I'll listen to the podcast too. You know, you want to correct your mistakes, you want to like do that stuff, but you know, not make those same mistakes. But but when you like jumped in, I mean, you were just like a natural fit at NBCSN. I I, I think a lot of people didn't know your history or where you were from, and it just like it was. Natural, like right from the get-go, like it just worked for you. I don't know. I mean, listen, it's really nice of you to say. I, I, I think part of that is, I mean, I'm given the freedom also, if we do, and in the hockey show we don't use it much, but if if I do use a teleprompter and we're writing, I write it. Uh, and I think, you know, no one ever pressured me to have someone else put something out, something in there. Uh, I can ask for help. It's not a lot of on-air talents that are like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm uneasy without it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's. But that's it, how it should be because you're more comfortable reading your own absolutely. words. Absolutely, absolutely. And plus, I can see it. I can see a whole you know block of text of copy. And if I don't want to use it at the time, I don't have to, and it's right. not going to throw me off. I know what's there. I put it there. I know what's next. Exactly. And it's. I don't know. I'm, I'm much more comfortable that way. And, and I've say NBC really gave me a lot of freedom with that. Never once did I come in. They said, "All right, here's what you have. Here's what you'll read." Go up there. We'll throw some makeup and a suit on you and go huh. to work. So, now, do you miss like I know you said you wrote for ESPN the magazine. Do you miss that type of writing, like uh, jur- well journalism writing, like you know in depth investigative stuff? Do you miss that? Uh, or I know a lot of guys write and then they kind of get on TV, the radio, and then they never they never write again. It's like, who I don't have to do that. Anymore. Uh, you know, it's funny. I- I'd say I miss some things about it, but in general, I don't. I, I think I had a lot of anxiety about it, especially uh, at ESPN magazine. You're on the shelf for two weeks at ESPN the magazine which especially now like in today's day and age is a like it's an eternity yeah to be out there um I mean newspapers are old now so imagine a magazine out there for two weeks uh so you're sitting there and if like if anything even slightly goes wrong that's just sitting there in print forever uh and you have anxiety about the fact that you know you're competing against someone to break a story uh you have anxiety about is the source giving you the right information or are they just giving you the information that you know they, they want, want to you to get out right uh so in that respect uh i do not miss it yeah. i also do not miss i can tell you right now i do not miss calling someone uh getting uh pr on the phone and having them say no problem they'll get right back to you and then sitting there yeah. and waiting so. and waiting and waiting and then like you're at your niece's christening and the phone rings oh yeah, yeah and you're like all right i gotta yeah. go yeah. someone hold this baby you know and <laughs> so i don't miss that at all um yeah, the writing. I, I mean, I still do it, but yeah, I, I it's it feels like almost people like you pay their dues with the writing, and then once once they get to wherever, then it's like leads you to bigger, bigger, and better. Which is funny because I still read all the time, so right. I'm still interested, and I still want the people that I think are good at it to keep doing it because uh, I'm I'm interested. So okay, um, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was gonna say I, I I wanted to ask you about the Islanders. I know uh, you said you're a Long Island guy. You know, we we saw the Islanders move from Long Island to Brooklyn. Now they could be going back to Long Island. To another you know, pot of Long Island. Yeah, yeah. and New York just hate yeah. that. I mean, just the the overall resurgence. I'm looking at the standings right now, and and they're back in the playoff race. I yeah, mean, it's funny they had a great night last night by not playing. Yeah, they uh they sat yeah, it don't out. Remind me. Yeah. So so are you an <laughs> Islanders fan? Yeah, I mean, I I would say excuse me, I grew up an Islanders fan. Uh, you know, I'm fairly detached at this point. Uh, but, tough, yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, uh, you know, I live out on Long Island right now. They're on TV, so if they're good, like, it's a lot more interesting for me. I love watching John Tavares play hockey. So, yeah. again, awesome. if they're He's good, awesome. it's better for me, and I can watch a lot of their games. I, you might not be watching them there too much uh, longer. I know. I mean, that's really the question, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's – I, I mean, they – they should have just built a, a new arena out where they already were. And yep. going to Brooklyn, it's it's been a disaster. But I, I think there's a lot of guys, you know, you just said, yeah, you, you, you kind of admit that. I think there's a lot of 
people who lie and like, oh, I'm detached. I don't, I don't root for anybody. I think deep down, whether you admit it or not, you, you're pulling for one side or the other. Whether you're pulling for a story or something, but I think so oh, many no, guys. Are listen, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, John Tavares scored that goal last year, and they beat Florida. Yeah, and you know they finally win a playoff series yeah. for the first time in more than two decades. Fire it up. Yeah, like, you can't you erase that from, yeah, your, exactly. from your body. You know? I think the difference is, I mean, I don't go in the games and they're like, oh my God, life is going to be miserable yeah, if right. they do not win this game. But yeah, I mean, there's emotion. Unless you got two dimes on them. Oh, yeah, well, oh, well, <laughs> oh, hey, All right, now we're getting into the hockey a little. So when the playoffs come around, which is what, about a month or so, a month and a half, do you just like say, bye family, see you, see you, and see you in June? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, because you figure um, uh, there's six, seven days a week easy uh and we do the doubleheader every night so and then we do an, pretty much an hour post game so you know i come home because i have two little kids basically everyone else stays up there because they're rolling right in they stay at a hotel uh but yeah i'm coming home i get in like two thirty. you know maybe go to sleep by three my kids are up now hopefully at six used to be like five so i'll get up for like a second say hello to them i'm a zombie my wife tells me to go back to bed and then so you go from Stamford to Long I go back Island. To Long Island, yeah. Oh, every you, night you got to get a speedboat, dude. Yeah, I know, right? I got to figure something out. It's uh, I don't know, man. I got family on Long Island. It was a good move, but it's uh, it's rough during the playoffs. But it's and I'll tell you, you know, yes, by Milbury, and I talked about Keith Jones, and yeah, I'd say you throw Ronick in there as well. Uh, that time of year, I see them far more than I see my family, and if I didn't like them, it would be. A miserable oh, existence, God. yeah. And I like them a lot, thank goodness, right? Because I'm around them constantly, and you get on each other's nerves. You Absolutely, do, you yeah. know, it's like siblings at that point. Uh, but you know, when people ask like, "Oh, do you want to do other things outside of hockey?" Yeah, I mean, I'm interested, like anyone else, and I'm curious. I'd like to do other stuff, but I don't know. I it's tough to commit to something when you know that the people you work with you enjoy working with. Right, right. And then you hear stories about like other people like, oh, I love the sport. I can't stand the people. Yeah, grassy and always greener. Yeah, so uh, that alone is such a huge bonus. Oh, I, oh I'm sorry, mate. Um, so this year, uh, Austin Matthews, oh. unbelievable oh. player. McDavid, I mean, I watched him one shift last night. He come bombing down. He just has that incredible speed, size, which one of those two guys would you take if you were starting a team today? Uh, I, yeah, it's I'd take McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's uh, tough I, not to. It's difficult. I get it. And Austin has been fantastic. But pure speed. And the difference, there are other guys who are fast, obviously. But to play the game at that speed, to process the game at that speed, never seem out of control, and to make the precise plays. The, the poise he plays yeah. with playing at that speed, is it's mind-blowing. Yeah, Who would you take? I mean, how do you not take McDavid? Yeah. But I don't think you're wrong for taking Matthews. He's the fact he's a rookie and he plays that. Bucci, game. hey, Bucci took a. Yeah, I, I listened to your podcast. I oh. saw it. Yeah, and he was like that was an instant answer. Yeah, for, yeah. I mean, it, he plays the game on such a cerebral level. Not that McDavid doesn't, but it, it seems like Matthews because he's a little bit smaller than McDavid. He just seems to have this like almost like Rain Man level way. He sees the angles and he's just he just knows what's going to kind of happen ahead of time. And for, for him to be a rookie doing that, yeah. what's this kid going to look like when he's 25 or 26? No, I, I mean, listen, I, he is, and I know uh, I listened to Bucci, uh, your podcast with him, and you know, he, he had great great expectations for him as rookie. I didn't have as high. I thought he'd be good. Yeah. I mean, this but, is crazy. But I mean, yeah, these, that's, these are, that's these understandable. Are crazy, these what are crazy, crazy numbers, and he's elevating a team into the playoffs already. Uh, I did not have those A last place team into the playoffs yeah. as well. They were last place last year. The funny thing about Connor McDavid is, so he's leading the league in points right now, leading the league in scoring in his second year, and because of the expectations that he knew were on him, 
it would almost be disappointing if he wasn't. Right. Like, how right. do you define? How do you define success? Let's say it's the end of Connor McDavid's career. What would actually be success? I mean, what three or four cups? You, gotta you gotta, right. I mean, C- couple gold medals too. Yeah. I want to see gold medals in there. I look at Crosby because you look at Crosby now, and Crosby's got all the gold medals, all the cups. I mean, and he had on top got of him that, scoring titles too. Though. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't. I, don't, I mean, I know they matter with, as far as the hockey hall. Of Fame. I don't put as much stock on the Olympic stuff, the gold medals. I mean, I, no, you, you know, don't. It's team. That's you're right. I'm no, more you're right on the NHL side, but yeah, he's got a you know scoring titles. Stanley Cups is the main thing. I mean, if, if he goes. 15, 20 years without a Stanley Cup, it'll be a major disappointment if he never wins one. And, and I, it's funny. I mean, I think because of the expectations on him, he's got to win multiple, which is a yeah. crazy thing to <laughs> Exa- say. Exactly, cr- yeah. But that's the pressure that's been put on him. It's sort of like, hey, better win a handful of scoring titles, win a few cups, or else we're going to look back and go. And, you know, Crosby's had, had the similar, if not, perhaps yeah. more pressure. I mean, he's got two cups now. He's been in three finals. And, you know, is Crosby where you thought he'd be? Did you think he'd have more cups by now? And, you know, he's he might have, you know, 10 more years left with, with, with in his career. And he's the best in the league right now. I mean, right there, I mean, I don't know. He's amazing. He is so good. Is he your MVP right now? Yes. Actually, no, no, no. Brent Burns. Brent Burns is mine. Yeah. I'd probably, I'd probably go McDavid. I, uh, that's I think. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. But then, you know, do you think Toronto's going to get in the playoffs? Do you think they're going to, they're going to I think, uh, listen, I, I think you can pick, uh, pick out of a hat. <laughs> yeah. You take, you know, five or six teams right now. And I know there are a lot of people who are going to give you a definitive crazy. answer yeah, on yeah. that. I'm not going to do that. Oh, well, McHugh loves well, the Maple Leafs. Like, see, I'm not going to come out like and say at the beginning of the season, like, who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We have eight seeds winning it in this league. Freezing cold takes is all over you. Exactly. Tweeting your picks up. But listen, I mean, they'll be right in it. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing. They'll be making the playoffs next year and for years to come after that. Yeah, I mean, I'm stunned at how quick they've turned it around. I mean, you know, they brought a Limarello and Shanahan and Babcock and all these, you know, big names and stuff. And you figure, okay, it's going to take a year or two maybe to get back in the playoffs. And it's like, no, this, they're like way ahead of schedule already. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. Remember Babcock? He basically told people, like, relax, take it easy. This, I think his exact words were, this is going to be painful. Yeah. A painful process. And it was. And they got that top overall pick. But, and they're way ahead of schedule. It, and they're fun. And you know what? Fun, fun to watch. That's, right? that's like, what it is. I mean, five years ago, the idea of me looking on the uh, standings, uh, the schedule to see when the Maple Leafs are on, I'm going to put them on, was, was laughable. But now it's you, you seek them out. Oh, no. It's like a fighter that you know is going to, like, throw punches and take punches. And you want to see that guy box. Yeah, absolutely. Like and they're slowly going to turn into a free agent destination again. Yeah. Because, you know, for the past few years, it's kind of like, stay away from Toronto. You're going to get eaten alive if you go there. Everyone saw what happened to Kessel. So you don't want to go there. But now... No pun intended. Now, you know, you got that young talent. It's like, why not? Why not go play with Austin well, Matthews and Mitch Marner? that's going to be the Mitch John Marner. Tavares conversation now. Yeah. Right? I mean, that really is. It's, yeah. Uh, and when if you're him, it's like, all right, man, I love the, this team. I love being here. But, what the, what, you know, I'm taking a, an hour and a half ride to practice every yeah. day with traffic and, you know, the arena. The, the, the t- I don't even know. How do you build an arena, by the way, in... This day and age, uh, and not have it set up for any potential thing, and how, like it was almost like the person didn't know about hockey who designed the it, arena. It's it's amazing. Uh, I mean, it's, it really is. The owner's so Russian foolish. too, isn't he Russian? You'd think he'd the know arena. this. Yeah, you'd yeah. think he'd know this by now. But just the whole idea, like you know, those arenas for I mean, sixty years now, they're all purpose arenas. They are I basketball, mean, hockey, concerts, yeah. circus. It's kind of the and to to have that set up for hockey, it was just it was mind boggling. That's a terrible situation, Bottling. and I think also, I mean, you got to surround this guy with some talent. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, he's been eligible. You know, it's funny. I, I always think of John Tavares the way I used to think of uh, Jason Kidd when he played for the Nets. Uh, you know, Kenyon Martin, Richard Jefferson. It's like, hey, play with this guy for a few years. You'll get a max deal somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. You, you may not be worth the max deal when you go there, but play with John Tavares for a few years. Don't worry. Your points, oh, they're going to be you know, just ballooning. And you'll cash in. Someone else will take in. Opposo. Look at Opposo. Exactly. Got then, then you're going to go somewhere and like, oh, 
Tavares isn't next to you. Yeah, on the yeah, ice, yeah so. exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, when you when you're riding shotgun with a talented guy, you know you're going to make him a lot of money. That's why we always bust Whitney's balls about you know we call it the Sid Crosby <laughs> money that he has. He admits it too, though. Well, hey, you know, he's, I think he was number it. eight on the list of uh, points that you know that guys who were on Sid Crosby's point that list, helped him that get helped to a thousand. Yeah, Whitney was like number eight. It's pretty impressive. It is. Um, you did some Tour de France stuff too. We I saw. did. Did you know? Anything about cycling before that, or did you have to really brush that, up? That was the hardest thing. Yeah, easily I, the hardest thing because that, uh, and that's a fan base that uh, you know puts the hockey fan base to shame in terms ooh, of like you don't really? know what you're talking about. and I'm going to be on top of you immediately. Uh, that, I, I can see that though because they seem like they're kind of cyclists are kind of snarky, like kind. This you know? is our thing. This yeah. is it. You know, and I, I think there's this idea that you know we like hockey fans in many ways like want other people to appreciate. Hockey, I think. Right. So oh yeah, fans right. oh. Are like, cycling fans are okay with like this is ours. Yeah, like this yeah. is just for us, and that's okay. And uh, so, I mean, I, I knew the basics, but I mean, that's like in many ways, that's like learning a foreign language. Uh, and then going yeah, on the I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even people who are fluent in it begin. So. I mean, I, I'm lucky I could ride a bike, let alone describing you know the different legs and I mean, I, hardest I, hardest thing I've ever done. Is it really? Easily, no kidding, huh? Easily because uh, you're talking about and you travel with the tour, so you travel. It's a mobile set that goes near the finish so if it's on tiring yeah if it's on the if it's a summit finish in the alps like you're going all the way up there and you're and then you're doing a show you're there all day you do the post you get in the car and you travel so it's i think it's something like uh 21 cities in 23 days wow yeah now was it like an open secret among the media that everybody's cheating in that thing or or is it like just not you know i was well it's funny like so i'm you know Post Lance, post all of that, and there was at that time like this big effort, especially with like a bunch of the American teams, like to like be out front of everything and sort of say like we are clean. Let me show you how clean we are. Uh, but that being said, I mean it's constant. I mean you, you throughout the tours, throughout the ones that I covered. I mean every few days there's more news, right. there's breaking news, uh, and you know luckily. For the most part, you know, the winners and the guys near the top uh, of the field for me were not involved in that, and I didn't have to deal with it as much. But, uh, but it is. I mean, let's face it; that's the sport, and it's going to hang over. Right, it, right. It just is. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like part of the sport now. Yeah. But circle. Oh, go ahead, go oh ahead. no, 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 no. You go. You go. So, circling back to hockey, this next season coming up, Las Vegas opens up shop. Um, how, how successful do you think they'll be? I, I think personally that Vegas is a city that. Should have had a sports team a long time yeah. ago. Uh, do you think hockey's going to do well out there or what? I've been talking to a few people about this because I was skeptical. Uh, I, I really was. I mean, you know, it's not a ma- it's not a massive city. It's not like the NFL either, where you're just like, hey, we have eight home games right. and we can rely just on road fans. I mean, if you know your team's playing in Vegas, yeah. like, you'll book a year in advance, take the trip. Uh, but the people I spoke to were like expressly optimistic. Like they really think uh, this is going to work for a little while. Now, I think it's like any other team. In that, uh, and not any other team, because I mean, in certain cities in Canada, you're going to sell regardless. Right, right. But if you're bad and you're in Vegas, that could be a problem. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I mean, there's I mean, a, a lot of transplants there that I think will help out Northeast yeah. transplants, you know, wh- whether it's going to be consistent. But I know the thing is, well, they got to be good, they got to be competitive. But they said the same thing the Florida Panthers, and they went to the Cup in '96. And three years later, there was 3,000 people in the arena. Now, I know Miami is you know, probably the worst sports city in America, so it, that probably has a lot to do with it. But, you know, they do need to be sort of successful off I, the bat. I, I think definitely they need to be successful. Now, I think, listen, that's in Sunrise also. It's not like in South Beach, that arena. Uh, so, you know, for making a big trip, right. I don't know if uh, that's really on your radar or your map. I think if you're a hockey fan, I, I think it will benefit in some way for 
people like I'm going to travel, I'm going to see my team, and it'll get a bump from that. Yeah. But again, they've got to win, uh, and it doesn't have to be right away. But there has to at least be this idea of, and I think the nice thing about hockey is usually that does happen. Right. Right. You go a few years, the parity there is in the league. You're sneaking into an eight seed, exactly. Yeah. So, and if that happens, and anything can happen. Hey, listen, I'm know. looking forward to it. You know, yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, it's about time. Yeah. Isn't it? Like, I it's mean, gonna be fun. Yeah. I yeah. just, w- I just wish they they went with a different name. I know the yeah. owner was hung up on the night stuff. I mean, you're in I the like desert. It. You got all these crazy animals I, and vistas. I mean, there's so many other things you could done. We've been do, tinkering but. with like having a bureau out there that we just put Ronick in. Ronick in Vegas. Oh, That'd God. be awesome. Yeah. Oh, that needs to be a podcast, yeah. Ronick in Vegas. And by, we've been tinkering. It's something that I've that, yeah. that no one else you, has you thought was making a good your idea. own devious yeah, plans. Exactly. Now, do you think the the ultimate plan for the NHL is to have, I mean, it's, it seems obvious, 32 teams, 16 in each conference? Uh, it, I mean, they're just waiting for all these kind of chips to fall into place? I guess. I mean, I, I think the idea is they certainly, yeah, I think a lot of us were wondering about Arizona. For a while, and you know, if, if that shouldn't we still stay. be wondering about yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, well, just when you stop wondering, news exactly breaks that and makes you think twice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's got to be that way. You have to, you have to even up these conferences, right? I mean, it's it's a, well, you know, just by the numbers while, while maintaining the geography as well. Yeah, well, that would be helpful as well, right? I mean, and that hasn't listen. That's that's happened in all sports where you start adding teams and you put them into strange conferences. Yeah. Well, like that. remember the Atlanta Falcons were in the NFC West for like thirty years. I mean, yeah. old school. I knew. Yeah, I know what. And you can say the Milwaukee Brewers were in the AL East, and in you know when you look yeah, at it, the, like, uh, aren't the Pelicans in the West? In the NBA, uh, yeah, 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 they are. I mean, it's like you know, just for travel purposes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's brutal. But uh, you know, it's Thursday here at uh, Barstool offices. You know, a bunch of jerseys out there. Uh, Ra, me and Ra were talking a little before about you know some crazy throwback jerseys, just jerseys and NHL jerseys in general. If I gave you an unlimited credit card right now, uh, you could buy any jersey going back to the 1900s. You uh, know, since hockey started. With a player's name on the back, who okay. whose whose jersey are you taking? Wow, good question. Well, I feel like geography makes it so that I have to get an Islander. I, I would have to go that way. It's uh, obviously going to be a dynasty Islander. Yeah, right? yeah. I'd be tempted to go Billy Smith. Just, yeah, just uh, he was a almost lunatic. for the yeah, yeah. Exactly, you know, for the novelty of it all too. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I think if you're if I'm like putting it on my wall, uh, I mean. Uh, or would be right up there. Uh, yeah, you know, it's he's got to be. Uh, Actually, he I think he only had his name on it for like a, a couple seasons. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, like one. I think he had one Bruin season when he actually wow. had his name yeah. on, it, and then I don't even want to talk about the place he went after there. It yeah. still still stinks for us fellas. Who would you Boston. Who would you put? Uh, I I've always been a big Ray Bork jersey guy. I have as a kid. I collected his jerseys. So you know, maybe a. The jersey when uh, Ray Bork switched and gave seven to um, Terry O'Reilly. Phil Esposito, uh, oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, fine. 24, yeah. 24, <laughs> 24, yeah, you almost punched me. Yeah, so when he gave it to Phil, Phil Esposito, you know, when he put on that 77, so maybe that jersey, I mean, I, I don't know other than that. I have my, well, I could say it now because this, we're not live. This guy right here, like, I haven't put my jersey on yet, but it's 
72 yeah. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've told the story a million times. My mother, my parents were, had season tickets, 72. The Bruins clinched it at Madison Square Garden, but for the, I think, three or four games they played at the Garden, my mother was out to here with me. Wow. So I always tell people, well, the last time they won the Cup, I was in the Garden. I, you know, I had the ultimate That's obstructed right. view yeah. seats, but but I was I was in the barn. So, yeah, I mean, Bobby Orr, I didn't get to see him play much, but he's such a he's just such a huge presence in, in Boston. What about yeah. you, Marina? That, see, that's so difficult for me, but like being a Bruins fan, all the Pooh Bear jerseys, oh, I would just collect all of them. I hate those. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan I, of those. I know they're going back to, I know they're going with different jerseys next year, like there's not going to be a third. So if I could have my way, I would go back to those Pooh Bear jerseys. Those would be sweet right now. Yeah. Wow. Not a, not, I was not a big fan. of Not so much the, the yellow, but just the the beard just looked like such a wuss. Yeah. 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 Just like kind of half-smiling beard. It's like, you know, we need some snarl like the 70 shoulder bear we had. I uh, Yeah, I, you know, I was never a big Jersey guy anyway. Uh, but, uh, I, and I really, I, I own very few of them. Uh, but I was actually a big basketball guy growing up. But the one Jersey I have that I occasionally wear during the summer if I go to the beach or something is... I have a Chris Mullen USA basketball jersey. Oh, that's awesome. So, but it was similar. Like, I wasn't, uh, I don't have quite that story, but my dad went to St. John's. Uh, my dad grew up in Brooklyn. Mullen, Brooklyn guy. Oh, St. yeah. St. John's. And, Legend. Uh, my grandmother for a time lived basically next door in some, like, seniors community to Mullen's grandmother. So right when he was out and he was playing pro, we were getting stuff from Mullen, uh, getting posters. I had Golden State posters. I was a Knicks fan. But just, I loved TMC. Mullen. Love Mullen. All right. Um, so actually, we're just going to talk about movies for a minute. But are you a huge? I mean, is it a given you're a slapshot fan or? A, yeah, I no. Mean, I, I mean, I, I'm absolutely a slapshot fan. Yeah, yeah. We got to go. You know, we did this uh, hometown hockey thing in uh, Johnstown, yeah, Johnstown, exactly. Pennsylvania. Right. Where they filmed all the same arena. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. I, all right. You went on a little rant about the. Uh Charlestown Chiefs earlier and Chief Jersey. Stand on the jerseys real quick. I, I did, yeah. Went well, on a little rant before I did. you got I'm, in here. I'm big on like jersey policing. I mean, yeah. when people get the Hanson shirts and they actually have Hanson written on the back of the shirt, it's like, no. Like, <laughs> the point is, like, people are going to know who it is. When you put Hanson on it, it's like the McMahon, that's the joke. You know, it's like you're beating it. It's like, no, they don't, you, they don't have it in the movie and not anywhere in the movie do they have their names on it. Why would you put it on the jersey? I think that's a good question. You know, that's people, a fair, that's a, are you calling them out in bursts, or is that just in your mind you're angry? Oh uh, yeah, I, I get. I'm weird like that. Like, even like when someone gets like a, like a Rick Middleton shirt, say, and they get it on the Bruins shirt that they were in like the 1990s. It's like you know, just get the old get the old one. You can do it if you're yeah. spending the money. Don't put it on a jersey you never played with. And then the other one, when the NHL 100 and they trotted out all the old guys and like they had or in like the modern day jersey no, and a few other players. Yeah. It's like come on, man, just spend the extra Not dough right. and, and get them in the real jersey. I was. I I was pissed when I saw. How that. do you feel about people putting their own names on jerseys? Uh, I'm not a fan. Is there of an it. age limit on that? Oh God, yeah. there has okay. to be. Like there you're, you're okay though. Yeah. You're no, okay. I, with, like, nah, I'm not a no. You know where I saw and under, that? Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you the one arena I've been to where I saw more people with their own names on jerseys. I went to New Jersey. I went to a Devils game years ago, and I think half the arena had like you know a name ending in a vowel on the back of their jersey. <laughs> I, I heard in Chicago everyone wears jerseys to games. Like every oh, yeah. like there's yeah. like ninety percent of the crowd though. is in a jersey. Yeah, I, I I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, and it's funny when they played Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Final a few years back in Tampa Bay. Half that lower pole was Chicago. Oh, Chicago, yeah. yeah. But I think you know what? I think that's something that's like very unique to hockey, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it people are is. in whether it's jersey or not, they're in gear. Oh yeah, they are in gear for a game. They don't just like show up 
wear now. I'm going to throw a sweater on. Yeah, game. and that Chicago anthem, if you can ever be oh. there during the oh. during the cup, I, I was fortunate, and I went to for two games in the uh, 2010 cup as a fan. And I mean, I talk about it now, and I get the goosebumps talking about That's, corners. It's it's amazing just the way the crowd cheers for it and stuff. It, it's quite a thing. And before the show, we were talking. You're a big movie buff, and I was psyched to hear that you are. Can take some of my late night recommendations yep. off of Twitter. Uh, Oscars are this weekend. Who's your Who's your pick for best picture? Uh, I haven't seen every single one of them, but I can tell you right now, I saw the movie Moonlight, uh, one of the best movies I've seen in years. Okay. Fantastic, beautiful, sad, uh, incredible acting. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know if it's like uh, the type of movie you're going to go. It's not like this, you know, big uplifting movie. Right. It's a lot of, uh, obviously, depressing content. I don't think it's Manchester by the Sea depressing. Yeah. Uh, which is... Just Equal, hitting yeah. you with depression. Uh, I don't write movies like See, that. I, uh, but I, I, it's, I do. It's, it's so fantastic. I, I cannot recommend that movie enough. It yeah, was, it was absolutely beautiful. Like I mentioned yeah. on earlier, part, like I'm so embarrassed how far behind I am with not seeing the nominees this year. I'm usually I've usually seen at least seventy five percent of them, but I do like movies that challenge you, that take yeah. you out of your comfort zone, and I think that's what movies should do. Yeah, we all like a popcorn movie once in a while, but you know sometimes yeah. movies. Big sh- rom com guy over should, here. Yeah. For me. <laughs> hey, listen, I got two little kids. I went and saw Lego Batman yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's not gonna be up for any awards, but yeah, it was fun. I uh, I'm I'm personally rooting for um, Hidden Figures, the NASA yep. film, because it was twenty to one. I threw a couple bucks on it. It went down to like two to one. Of course, so yeah. I, it's a long shot. Uh, uh, it's going to need to pull an upset, but it happened before. Remember, everyone thought Crash was going to win. I'm mean, sorry, Brokeback Mountain was going to win. Then Crash stole their That's thunder right. last minute. I mean, so. you're talking. He loves the long shots. This is a guy well, that. What was Moonlight at? Um, they they weren't there was somewhere in between I figured they might have been ten or twelve okay. to one yeah they they weren't the favorite La La Land the favorite oh yeah yeah, yeah. big favorite yeah. this is a guy that that has bet on the Super Bowl going to overtime for the past seventeen years wow finally hit it and this you, year. Fin- you finally did, oh, I had it this give year. up this year no oh, no no God. I finally popped that this year yeah I'm I mean if they if that chinchilla wants to find a rat outside and race it out I'd probably I probably bet that <laughs> I uh, I bet on the Sopranos ending I bet on the did you, you the, can bet on that the spelling the well, what, scripts out what's the bet on the Sopranos yeah ending. this is actually kind of funny it was on one of my offshore sites it, and it was how will the, when the Sopranos one of them yeah one. <laughs> yeah. The Sopranos, when it ends, what will the status of Tony Soprano be? Will it be will it be dead? Will he be in jail? Or will he still be you know acting boss? So what happened was was the, he any of those though? How, well, how tec- it ends? You don't know. When the Sopranos ends, he's still the acting boss. Cause, True. Yes, so. I mean, we all know yet. he got whacked. I mean, yeah. if you watch it again, there's no doubt he, yeah. he gets whacked. But. When it ends, he's still alive. But what happened was HBO cut up that last season into two separate seasons. You remember that? They did part one and part two. Well, the the offshore account tallied it after... Like the first half, so I had to call my guy, and I'm like, "Buddy, they charged me for this thing." I'm like, "The Sopranos ain't over yet." Now I'm trying to explain to my bookie, like, "No, HBO did this thing where they cut seasons because it had never oh been done God. before." So I'm like, "Buddy, just don't cut me, cut me for the loss." But he didn't. The bet didn't end up getting tallied correctly. I was because I said when it ends, he's still going to be in yeah. power. So I ended up being right. But yeah, I probably have a problem. Yeah, but listen, <laughs> if you're winning, well, that's the whole thing. If you're yeah. winning, it's not a problem. Yeah, you're on hot streak lately. Yeah. I mean, uh, you've been killing it lately. Yeah, yeah. Puck lines is where the action is. If you're a hockey game, but most. The lines of the the money line, you got to put up more money. But for, for the sake of an extra goal, you make way more money. I love the puck line. Oh, the puck line. <laughs> oh, you gotta. You talk about that, Louis. I like talk about my children. You, you, you <laughs> just see the look on this guy's yeah. face right now. Well, if you knew the money he was bringing in, you'd probably be like, "Yeah, yo, I'm, yo, I'm on it too." Hey, watch, watch, watch that. Thing. <laughs> I, I don't think I arrest this list. Well, no, I mean, no. I'm, I just mean in the sense of you know, you pick games that not everyone would pick. Yeah, you got a random. You know. 11 o'clock games in Edmonton. It's like, who? I'm not betting that on the East Coast. I'm, if, I don't. 
okay, if if you're getting that late night game, are you absolutely awake for the entire game? Oh hell no! I I okay. probably watch less than ten percent of the games. I bet I don't bet to watch. Like a lot yeah. of guys, oh, I'm gonna watch the game. I'm gonna bet yeah, the makes, over. It's well, like, it makes the game you're watching yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I bet so. to to make money. Like I'm I'm in it to, to try to make money. Now there's a lot of talk uh, that broadcasters like yourself do do some gambling, and you know it kind of affects the way they. You know, portray the game. You could uh, say it, Al, Al Michaels. Al, Al Michaels. <laughs> Al Michaels. So, you know, do you, do you see that happening a lot? Or, I mean, I don't want you to. No, be have I seen it? Sure. I don't know if everything I see is someone necessarily like throwing down on a game, yeah. or if they're just giving you a wink. And yeah. Hey, listen, I'm in on it with you. Yeah. I know what you're going through. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily going through it with you. Right. Uh, I, I think to some extent, like. If something crazy happens, I think we saw last year, like, there was a goal right off a draw right near the end of the game. Like, right off a draw. Uh, just a, a crazy goal, and it pushed the over right, in some right. game, you know? And if someone told me that, like, in the moment, I'm broadcasting. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because to me, like, and it was one of those games where it's like, the outcome didn't really matter in the standings anyway. So, like, that was literally what was interesting about the game. So, you, yeah, you don't like, get reprimanded by anyone for, for talking about... I think if you go out of your way... Okay. I, I yeah. do. Listen. Shout out to Rear Rapids. I also think... <laughs> listen, I mean, I think it depends who you are and exactly how you're referencing it. Right, But, right. Uh, no, I mean, I think if it's, if it's clearly what's interesting about it and it's almost like you're avoiding it for the sake of avoiding right. it, even though that's the conversation everyone at home is having. I, I mean, years ago, I'll tell you one thing. Do you remember the Duhon shot in uh, Chris Duhon shot in NCAA tournament against UConn? It was a half-court shot, and it meant absolutely nothing. Oh, he yeah, I banked do. it yeah. in uh, because UConn missed like one of two free throws. And Duke still loses, but it, uh, it killed the spread cover. Yeah. yeah. So I met Duhon a few years back. And I had to ask him other questions, but that was the only question. Yeah. I, went, I was like, when did you find out about that? Uh, and what did people say? So I guess that was it had to be Final Four because it's one of those arenas. Uh, it was in, like, a dome. So, like, they put guys in carts right. to send them to, like, uh, the media area. So they put Duan in the cart, and he said the guy driving the cart turned around and said, oh, man, you're going to hear about it from a lot of people. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just blew the cover. Dope. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it was instant that he heard about hey, that. Like, like he's not a Brazilian soccer player. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I remember that vividly because I was in a house with people like I was young and there were people who obviously had money and it just destroyed them. I mean, because so. there's some kids that don't even, especially as a college athlete, I know, I mean, a lot of college athletes gamble, but I mean, there's some kids that don't even think about it. But yeah. I think, too, the, a big factor with hockey is football and g- gambling, uh, uh, can, they're intertwined. Like if, hand in if you hand. were to somehow... To, uh, Overnight eradicate gambling. Then I'd love to see the football ratings the next day. I think a lot of people would be going out, you know, pumpkin patches and you know, going out and doing things with their family. But hockey gambling—it's like two percent of Vegas's haul. So I, I don't oh, think yeah. there's that connection. I mean, I, I'm, I don't I'm, think it's as big. No, and, and I think it's different. I mean, I think fantasy football is essentially. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're in it. I mean, you're in a league with your buddies. It doesn't make a difference. Like, there's something on the line. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you a big fantasy but, football guy? I'm I'm in the same league for ten years. Yeah, and it's good enough for me. Yeah, it's you like know? shits and giggles yeah, with exactly. your buddies. Yeah, you know. And listen, we have fun, trophy, you talk must, shit. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's 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 perfect for me. I don't need anything else. Yeah, I, I don't need to be on the waiver wire like. Yeah, you know, oh, two yeah. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Setting your alarm. Yeah. I'm big into the daily back. fantasy now rather than, you know, doing fantasy teams. Because daily fantasy, you know, if someone tears their ACL, you're not screwed out of like, you know, 200 yeah, bucks that you played for the league. Yeah, no, I think that's that's well, the, the that's thing. fair. But again, 
I think that's, oh, you're young. You have yeah. time. Yeah. You can do, yeah. Yeah. I, you can dilly dally. Uh, like, True. you're not getting up and trying to find Daniel Tiger on PBS while two kids are screaming for Daniel Tiger to come on PBS. And he's not on right at that moment. You're fucking like, out. He's not right? on. So. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so any any other things you want to, Marina, any other any other stuff you have for Liam? Um, I just wondered, um, outside of hockey, like, what's your favorite event you've ever covered? Like, I know you've done the Olympics. Like, what was your personal favorite? Uh, I, I would say the Olympics is definitely that. Yep. Um, and for two reasons. I mean, I love the Summer Games because I'm, I'm a huge Summer Olympics fan. I grew up with that. Uh, my dad was a runner and a track coach, so it, it's phenomenal. And I actually, this year, I had one day off of the Olympics. One day, and I knew it in advance. It was the second to last day of coverage, uh, and it was the day that they played for the gold medal men's soccer. And so I took that day off, and I actually got to go to that game, and that was phenomenal. Uh, but covering and being at, uh, I was at the Winter Olymp, I was Winter Olympics in Sochi, and I was there when the U.S. played Russia, oh, and yeah, T.J. Oshie put that show on, That's and awesome. that was the most amazing thing, especially like hostile crowd. You're there. Uh, and he Putin was in the building. It, Every, was, it was amazing. I was at the bar in Celtic, and it was nuts. Nine thirty in the morning, the place was packed. Everybody was pie eyed. And I, you know, I just wanted to say, be uh, before we go, you know, wish Whitney could have been here for the yep. interview. I know uh, he's a big fan of yours, and uh, you know, any funny stories? You know, we love to ask most of our guests any funny stories about Whit. You know, covering Whit in your time. You know, you know, anything uh, along those lines. I, I unfortunately do not have any of those. Uh, I would. Nothing like you can tell. Yeah, nothing you can yeah, tell us. Well, on I that's, uh, yeah, I mean, but uh, you guys will have your own memories to create as no, uh, big th- TV I, I guys. Think, I think big... eventually, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, don't worry about it because I mean, I think it's one of the beautiful things about hockey, also, where like those guys have the best stories, the, just the greatest stories, it's yeah. unbelievable. And, and you guys at NBC have been really pulling like some great. I mean, Brian Boucher has been great. Yeah, uh, Anson Cotter has been great. You, you're finding these guys who, who who are good at it. I mean, a lot of guys they try it and they're not really good at it, but you, you're finding some some talent back there. One one other question. We'll get ready to wind it up here. Why doesn't NBC do a Saturday night hockey game? I know the the, the ratings might not be the greatest, but there's not, there's nothing on Saturday night. There's, NBC's really not putting anything on. It just seems like yeah. a, a an opportunity hockey night in America, like they do a hockey night in Canada, and they don't do it. Why, why is you that? know what? I, I'm I know sure, it's not your call. But. Listen, exactly. I mean, it's not, and I'm sure it's. People crunch the numbers, right? And they just yeah. decide that that's not it. it. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah. I'll tell you right now: if they thought this is going to be great and we're going to make money, a lot of people are going to watch, they would absolutely do it. But I think they see Sunday night as that, and we do have a nice thing where, you know, listen, they own Sunday night football, right? I mean, it's it's incredible what they do with it. And the numbers are Insane. astounding, it's right? Crazy. So that ends the playoffs and for football, and we kind of take over now Sunday night, right? And obviously, we're not getting that kind of you know response from the audience but we're getting a good audience i like the sunday nights uh saturday night i don't know i, th- I think honestly i think saturday night's tough sell people yeah. go out yeah people no, go out it's, you know, it's, it's just it, the way it is I mean, it's my, my demographic yeah. uh, me and marina we're, we're not watching saturday yeah. games yeah, yeah. Watching we're, TV we're going anymore. out yeah yeah well that's another thing and it's I mean, different too i mean you think back you know 25 30 years ago saturday night like Used to be good shows on Saturday night, yeah. and, now, and now it's like the TV wasteland. So yeah, exactly. I mean, if there's something good that is on Saturday night, yeah. it's quickly moved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, night. exactly. Uh, well, I, I think that probably about wraps it up. If anybody, anybody else, Liam, honestly, we're honored you came in to, to not only all the way in the city, but stay as long as you did. It's been fantastic. Uh, we can't say thank you enough, guys. I'm glad you had me. It was awesome. All right, maybe we could do it again sometime. That'd be great. Yeah, thanks, Liam. Yeah. 
So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertoni features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Rad, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So I spent a lot of my childhood in the hospital and hospital beds. Under 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL big game winner Martellus Bennett. Guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deals. And the list with Art of Charms, Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut. Next up, Sports Money with Mike Ozanian talking to team owners, athletes, and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind supreme athletic competition. Forbes on Podcast One. Not just entertaining, informative. Subscribe now at iTunes and don't forget to rate, review, and share.